Welcome to the Elijah Rising podcast. Elijah Rising is an organization empowering women recovering from sexual exploitation. This episode is going to help you become more aware about the issue of sex trafficking and inspire you to take action. Welcome to the podcast. I'm Adam, and today I'm joined by Kathy McGibbon Givens once again. It's such an honor to have Kathy here with us. She is a wife, a mother, an author, a playwright uh, who has overcome the dark world of sex trafficking. She is also the co founder of 1211 Partners, a survivor led nonprofit organization focused on supporting those who are overcoming sex trafficking and commercial sexual exploitation. Kathy, welcome back to the Elijah Rising Podcast. Thank you for having me again. I am so excited to have you back because today on the podcast, we're asking the primary question, how can we best resource those who have and are currently experiencing exploitation? But before we jump into that, I want to know about 1211 Partners. Who is it? What is it? What do you guys do? And why did you start an organization? Yeah, great question. Loaded question. Happy to to answer that. Um, So really 1211 Partners, uh, we, it was birthed through uh, the brains of overcomers. Let me say that. Overcomers of trafficking. Birthed through the brains of overcomers. Literally. Yeah. I love the way you said that. Yeah. So, you know, I've been in this anti-trafficking space for quite some time um, and just partnering with organizations, working for organizations, volunteering. And in that time, I was able to just take a look at the landscape and yeah. just see, okay, where, you know, what's my place here and what do I do? Yeah, sure. So I got together with some overcomers um, to look at some of the gaps because we found that a lot of individuals who went through programs from A to Z, yeah. um, two years, three years, five years down the line, if they weren't returning to the life, they were you know, severely at risk of mm. being re-exploited. Even after going through programs. Even after going through programs. Yeah. So you know, that got me to thinking, like, well, how is this happening, right? Because we spend a lot of resources, a lot of time. We yeah. do our best to try to make sure that these individuals are restored and ready for real life. But there was something missing. And so, again, got with some other com- overcomers to think about, you just take a look at it and, and figure out, okay, what is it? Yeah. And the number one thing that we heard heard was community, lack of community after programs. So a lot of individuals were like, hey, yeah, the program was great, but when I left, no one contacted me or I felt alone or, you know, five years down the road. And if you think about it, what program has the time, the resources to follow an entire journey of an individual? Maybe 30, 40 more years down the road, right? right? Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, And so we, we found very quickly that that was going to be our niche. That was going to be our place, our lane, so that we can help build community and walk alongside those who have graduated and completed programs. And then those that choose not to go into programs because there are those individuals as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's so interesting. You know, relate. one of the things we've learned at Elijah Rising is like one of the most important things you can do to help resource overcomers is relationship, like like real relationship. Um, you know, and what I mean by that is like just knowing them and listening to them and, you know, validating who they are. And so kind of what I hear you saying is like that has to last forever. Like that can't just be a programmatic element. Like something about that has to be experienced. And, and I would assume there's something very, um, critically important about having that community with others who have gone through a similar trauma and who have, who have been in the life and who have come out of life and, 
are working through those things. Um, so that's that's incredible. Yeah, I'm, and a larger community, right? Because yeah. I think a lot of programs for a lot of people, it's a cushion. And so it's kind of like you're in school. When you graduate, you get that diploma, that degree. You graduate and you're like, okay, now what do I need yeah. to do with this? So you have the skills. You just need someone to walk alongside you yeah. to help apply them. Yeah, that's so cool. Um, so the issue of sex trafficking, I think we can all kind of admit that it's becoming more and more of a mainstream social issue. And that's not to take away from the fact that like, I think there's still a ton of work to be done in, in terms of awareness and education about what sex trafficking is, how it works. Um, but it, it, it seems to be talked about a lot more. I mean, when, when I started doing this work, you know, 10 years ago, hardly anybody knew what the term even meant. And now, you know, it's just out there. So, um, and I think that has like, some some positives, mm-hmm. right? The yeah. more awareness, the better. But it also has some downsides. Mm-hmm. Often, people see a news story or read a post on social media, or you know, hear some anecdote from a friend about trafficking, and then they they have this feeling of like, well, I have to do something. I want to do something, mm-hmm. um, and so they pick a quick response. Yeah. And so, I guess the question I want to ask you, Kathy, is like, what are some before we get into like what is is helpful what are some unhelpful ways that from your kind of expert positioning what are some unhelpful ways or even maybe if i could put it this way some damaging ways that people are responding to this issue and trying to help yeah and i think you called it right a lot of the response is emotionally driven so mm. in the moment what can i do in the moment oh my goodness i just heard this story i need to Number one, I need to feel good about helping someone. I need that person to be helped by me. Yeah. That's kind of like the, the tricky thing, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, so I think one of the things is um, starting programs without taking the time to learn about the issue, mm. right? So like, yeah, I'm going to start this organization and it's going to be great and I'll just learn along the way. But when you're dealing with human lives, you've got to take the time to like learn about the issue, do your research and figure out, okay, what, again, looking at the landscape, what's, look at some of the gaps and figure out what your skills are yeah, and what you can bring to this. What, what can you bring to the table to help human lives, yeah, <laughs> right? Yeah. Not just a cause. Um, another thing is um, start seeing... St- Stop seeing it as a cause and seeing it as individuals because it's easy to want to jump in and do something because it's hype, right? It's the talk of the... It's hype. It's it's the talk now, right? So it's like, oh yeah, you know, the trafficking movement. I I was on a conversation um, last week and I was like talking with someone outside of the anti-trafficking space and she was like, oh yeah, the anti-trafficking movement, y'all got that sewed up. And I'm like, well, no, we really don't. (laughs) (laughs) So people view it as like this move, this thing, this... That's like, and it's weird to me because we're forgetting that it's not about the cause or a movement. It's literally about changing the lives that are affected by um, trafficking and commercial sexual ex- exploitation. Yeah. So we've taken our eyes off of the people, yeah. and now it's just become this thing that we want to get involved in to it's say too that dangerous. I'm doing something. It's yeah. too dangerous to dehumanize yeah. the issue, Yeah. is what I hear you saying. These are real human beings. Yeah, absolutely. Um, another thing is um, resharing, just something simple like um, social media. Media, um, resharing and reposting things that may not be true yeah. or reposting and resharing things before doing the research and getting the facts and the data behind it. You want to make sure that if you're spreading awareness that it's the right type of awareness, yeah, right? Yeah, it's, yeah. You're not spreading like conspiracy theories and all this other stuff. Yeah. You want to make sure that 
if I'm going to tell my family about this, it needs to be the truth and it needs to be mm-hmm. factual. So just take the time to do some research. I think that's one of the things that's damaging and harmful, um, especially to victims and survivors, is is that people are sharing all these false images and false information. And, you know, it takes the it takes the eyes off of again the people that the are being affected by it and the and the true issues um well, another thing is um i think that we have to be mindful of those emotions when we hear things because mm. the first response is like, I'm going to go rescue someone. Yeah. Like, I want to join a rescue mission and I want right. to like... Kick I in wanna, a door somewhere. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's harmful too because, um, you know, even when we do outreach, it's like I'm seeing someone... I'm seeing the damage in someone versus seeing the strength in someone. So now I'm like, I'm seeing just the brokenness right. instead of seeing a, a person that has so much potential and full of purpose I don't see that. I just see someone that needs to be fixed and yeah. I want to be the fixer. So yeah. those are just some of the things that I would say is con- really damaging. Yeah. I want to stick there kind of with that last point for just a second. Like, mm-hmm. I, you know, seeing the problem being very problem focused and damage focused and then seeing yourself as somebody who, um, maybe you're conscious of it or not, but you have like a measure of privilege. Mm-hmm. And so you think that you can step into that place and you can, you can be the fixer. Yeah. So, I, there's kind of a term for that. It's called the savior mentality. Mm-hmm. And so I, I, I kind of just want you to get to, uh, to have a space to just respond to that. Like, what do you think about that? And like, how can we, cause I do this work, right? Yeah. I, I, I have a place of privilege, no doubt about it. Mm-hmm. How do people like, you know, me, myself, you know, who's a career kind of activist, if that's the right word to even use for what I do, but like, who's in this place, but even, you know, maybe it's just uh, the random citizen. Mm-hmm. How do we avoid that savior mentality and that fixer mentality that you're that you're talking about there. Yeah, I can easily sum that up and answer the question by saying, hey, we need to stay in our place and stay in our lane and know that there's only one savior, right? There's only hey, that's, that's good. it. There's only one savior. Yeah. But um to break it down a little bit, we need to start with self. So mm-hmm. why am I in it? Why why did that hit me so hard yeah. to the point where I want to get involved? Is it about me? Like what is my why? What is my purpose? Because you gotta have a why. Um in anything that you know this this is a broken and in world, yeah. right? And if we can fix everything we could, but we are, we're called to different things. Why are we called to different things? Yeah. Right? And so you have to look at self and do a self-examination and figure out why am I doing this? What is my purpose? And why am I here? Because if you can't figure that out, then you don't need to be doing it. Yeah. That's when the savior mentality comes in and you're like, okay, well, I'm just going to I'm going to fill my voids by helping someone else. Yeah. Um, and that's a very dangerous place to be in for the giver and the receiver. Um, hmm. And then also, like I said, check your motives. That's, that's a huge one. And then don't see the problem, see the strengths. Hmm. That's another, another um, way to prevent the savior mentality. Because if I only see someone that is broken and needs to be bandaged and needs to be healed, then I'm going to try to be that healer. But if I see someone that, again, I I said this earlier, that is full of purpose and potential, then I just want to partner with you to like make sure that you're dope, right? Just to make sure that you succeed and thrive. And it becomes more about a partnership and we're doing this together versus me trying to save you. Yeah, that's so good. Mm -hmm. That's so good. Yeah, I guess it really is about like, you gotta you gotta do self work first, mm-hmm. right? Like, what is your motivation? Like, what's what's the true motivation of your heart in whatever you feel like you're supposed to be doing? Um, and I appreciate your note too about like know your lane mm-hmm. because a lot of times there is a lot of like mission creep, a lot of a lot of lane switching that's happening out there. Um, 
mm-hmm. that can be damaging. It yeah. can be damaging to the to the to the work that we're all trying to do for good. Absolutely, I heard someone call it. She said, "What did she say?" She said, "This is not a glamour gig." So this is not something that we we're gonna go into and get all pretty and we're gonna do some press conferences and get on TV and I'm gonna yeah. be famous because I'm gonna be known for the philanthropists and I'm gonna yeah. do, it's it's not a glamour gig it's literally in the trenches <laughs> with people yeah. that need to come out of the trenches right yeah. and so it's not about being um, getting a name for ourselves or anything yeah. like that and that's another thing too to prevent the savior mentality we make we gotta make sure that we're not in it for a glamour gig because it's not that. Yeah. Yeah, it's so good. Yeah, the heroes, I just talked about Elijah Rising. Like the heroes in our, on our team are the ones you've never seen on this podcast. Mm-hmm. They're the ones that are in the house with with our clients, with the residents day to day that are going through the ups and the downs, the the good and the bad, right? I mean, and they're why are they doing it? What's their motivation? It's like they want to they want to serve. They want right. to go low and they want to live, you know, in that place of working through trauma. Mm-hmm. They don't host the podcast, you know what I mean? Yeah. And so um which is a check for me personally, you know, which is why I asked you the question. <laughs> it's very self-serving. I hope the listeners and viewers get something out of it too, but <laughs> I'm trying to learn. Um, so let's talk about a better way then. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I want to do this kind of in a series of questions. I, I want to take um, like a, a like a like an airplane view, mm-hmm. right? I want to take kind of a larger societal approach in the way that I ask you these next questions, and then we're eventually going to work down to the local level because I think that's really where the majority of the work gets done. Right. It's like the one-on-one, the local, the individualized approach. But I do want to start from the top and kind of work our way down. Um, So first, what do those experiencing exploitation and those recovering from exploitation need at kind of a a federal, national um, level? You know, for example, like law changes or public policy changes or social justice advocacy, intersectionality issues. And I realized as I asked this question, that could probably be an entire podcast. Yeah. But um, <laughs> so, but like, how can we, you know, from a larger societal view, what are the ways that we can best resource overcomers? Yeah. Um, one of the, the first things that comes to mind is um, promoting housing and economic sustainability okay. um, from a federal level. Yeah. So what does that look like? Well, if we examine a lot of the problem and the issues that individuals have that cause them to be exploited sure. or put them at risk for being exploited. Those vulnerabilities. Those vulnerabilities are real, right? So poverty issues, um, mental health issues, like there are certain things that people need before they're even um, exploited. They, right. they need that fix. We need to look at, um, you know, societal, social institutions like family and school and like what what is what are we doing from a federal level to make sure that our families are staying together, yeah. to make sure that our school systems are... are um, are up to par and and diverse and making sure that everyone has access to um, yeah. higher education. Um, so those things like that, and then poverty, right? We need to look at the poverty levels in, in our communities. From a federal level, those are things that we need to be addressing and that we've been addressing or we've been trying to address for years and years and years. Yeah. We haven't gotten the answer yet. But those are some of the things that victims currently in the life need. They need help. They need another way out. 
They need another mm. answer. They need, you know, single moms need to be able to have access to equitable employment yeah. and childcare and take care of their children so that they won't have to go to the clubs, which can, which is where they possibly may, may meet a pimp or a trafficker. And, right. you know, like the whole, yeah. it's just a whole downline. Um, and the schools, right? So I'm a huge, I've been taking a look at like this Space. I hate to call it a movement, y'all. I'm trying to get away from it. I don't want to be in a movement. Played out Um, (laughs) term. But I've I've been taking a look at the space, and I'm like, okay. So, have we been addressing our young boys, our youth? Hmm. Because in order to stop the demand, you know, if we say that the majority of traffickers um, or exploiters are men, are males, then someone needs to be talking to our young boys. We don't need just. We've got. I think we've gotten. Um, we've come a long way with women's rights and girl empowerment and yeah. all of that stuff. But I don't see a lot um, of of initiatives that are directed to to our males, our young boys in schools, yeah. you know, our adolescent group. Um, so even looking at that, like what what systems are in place from a federal level that that can save our youth? Yeah, you know. Yeah, that's excellent. We're going to take a break in the podcast, uh, but when we come back, as I kind of set up there on that question, we're going to just kind of keep, keep peeling back the layers and keep going down and down until um, we get to a real kind of personal uh, way of resourcing overcomers. Uh, so we'll see you on the other side of the break. Four years ago, we started making candles in my kitchen because we had a dream to empower women recovering from sex trafficking. After years of growing, changing, and perfecting what we truly believe to be the perfect candle, we now sell goods across the country that empower women who are recovering from sex trafficking. And we want you to help us so that we can give more jobs to women that are in our program. Go to shop.elijahrising.org and you can see some of the most amazing goods you've ever tried, as well as empower the next woman to have a future after sex trafficking. And we have a special code for all of our podcast listeners. Just use the code podcast when you check out for a special discount. Hey, welcome back. Kathy, uh, in this kind of second half of the conversation, I want us to move away from that, you know, like global changes or societal level changes and think more specifically about individuals who are being exploited right here, right now, um, you know, in our in our neighborhood right here in Houston. Uh, so that's kind of the mindset I want us to get into as we continue the rest of the conversation. Um, and I do want to make a note at this point, and um, you, you've kind of already said it in a different way, but every single person is unique. Mm-hmm. Every single person's situation is unique, uh, which means that every overcomer of trafficking, every woman who's out there being trafficked right now, their context is unique, their trauma is unique. Um, you know, there is no archetype of a survivor of trafficking, right? So we're speaking in generalized terms here, which I think is important to point out, um, especially considering the first half of the conversation. We don't want to just look at the, you know, this big problem. We don't think about individual lives. Right. Um, so Kathy, in your work, what are the most common needs that you see of those who are still currently experiencing commercial sexual exploitation? You know, those... That question, man, like you can break it down and it's just really practical. Okay. If we think about what we need to yeah. survive and to thrive, like I think we just overcomplicate. I know this is a complex issue. Don't get me no, wrong. No, no, no. So go for it. This is an oxymoron but on my part, but it's not that complicated. I like hear you. It's, it really isn't. These are people. So if you think about our own lives, like what did I need? Oh, I needed to be clothed. I needed food. To, I needed food. I needed education. I needed, you know, a, a shelter. Yeah. Um, so some of those things, it's like, oh my gosh, what, did, what do survivors need? 
need? What do victims need? And it's like, well, what did you need growing up? That's great. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and some of those practical things. So number one, um, I would say like housing. Housing is huge. Um, safe housing. Mm. Because when we go out and we do outreach and we're, you know, we're telling these women and, and men that, hey, we have a better life for you and you can be great. Mm. We're promising them something. Yeah. So at that moment, we need to make sure that they have access to what we're promising. We can them, fulfill right? the promise. Exactly. And that just doesn't mean, hey, come into my program. This is a lifelong thing. So if I go into your program, you mean to tell me that I'm going to get a good job? You mean to tell me that I can mm-hmm. go back to school? You mean to tell me that I can get my criminal history erased? You mean to tell me that I can get my kids back? from CPS, you mean to tell me that I can pay all my legal fees? Because that's what that means. When you tell me that you're going to help me, that's what that means. It doesn't mean I'm going to come into your program um, and, you know, for the two years of my life is going to be great. And then after that, I'm going to have to hustle and fight on my own. So we need to look at that, right? We need to look beyond um, what our scope of care has been and, and really just look at it from a holistic approach. So again, what do we need? Housing. Um, A lot of individuals need transportation to and from work to get to work. You know, um, there's, we have a bus line, but it doesn't go everywhere. And some people, I know individuals that work late nights, like waitressing and stuff. We don't want them out there taking the bus. Um, Childcare is huge. People Mm. need childcare and they don't have, you can't afford $400, $500 a week for childcare. Nobody can. Nobody can. Depending on how many kids you have, that's just unrealistic, right? And so um, employment, I, you know, I really want to encourage employment partners Mm. um, and these businesses that are so scared to hire anyone with a, with any type of past, yeah. like that's unrealistic. These women, these men, these boys, these girls have skills, they have knowledge, they have wisdom, they have, they can be of so much value to your organizations and companies. We yeah. just need to give them a shot. Yeah. Um, As Sam likes to put it, they, they already got the hustle. We just need to get, hand them the holy hustle. There you go. And thrive in the <laughs> middle of it. There you go. <laughs> exactly. Um, health insurance is another thing. So if I can't, you know, go to the doctor and get my medications or if I can't get my check or, you know, if I, if I do, if I am trying to be, you know, handle my mental health and stuff like that, like who's, how am I going to pay for it? You know, um, again, after you kind of graduate from programs, what do you have? Okay. We have, you know, we have Medicaid and we have Lone Star, but do we want to keep them there? You know, I know that's a blessing, right? But at the same time, how do they get to that insurance? Right. They get maybe through equitable employment, maybe for like, you know, real companies and businesses that actually offer um, insurance packages and stuff. Um, And then community and direct cash assistance is what I've seen. So I'm really advocating for direct cash assistance. Yeah, what do you mean by that? Say more. Yeah, I know, um, you know, we have these wonderful services and resources and stuff that we offer to victims um, and survivors as an incentive, like to, hey, leave the life, especially victims, like to leave the life. Yeah. But, you know, we're so scared to like put cash in their hands or to trust them because yeah. we're, we're going to, we, we think, oh my gosh, they're just going to use it and they're going to buy drugs or they're going to use it and they're going to buy this. But really, what if they just need to pay their phone bill? Hmm. What if they just need to get their car fixed? Like we're not we're seeing only the bad stuff. And I'm not saying that that stuff doesn't happen. Hey, sure. a hustler's a hustler. Like, hey, you give it to him, I'm going to use it. Yeah, right. But at the <laughs> same time, if you're if you're partnering with me and you say that I give you the benefit of the doubt and I know that you're going to be great, then 
we need to trust that mm-hmm. and believe that and give them a shot. Um, direct cash assistance goes a long way, especially with the pandemic. We saw that the need for that was huge. Great example. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, for what we do at 1211, you know, we offer mentorship and um, life skills and career skills and all that. Well, you can't really get past, um, you can't get to the life skills and the goal setting if I have basic needs that need to be met. Yeah. So, hey, what is your need right now? Well, I need money for, for groceries or I need money to pay my, my light bill. Great. Let me get you that money to pay your light bill. And it doesn't, he doesn't have to go directly in their hands. Maybe pay the landlord if you have a sure. trust issue. Um, if they're behind on rent, that went a long way. That went a long way. And so, um, of course, do it with wisdom, but we need to be able to understand, again, look at what you needed. I need money. Like, I can't live off of $50 gift cards. Me, personally, I got stuff I need to pay. Right. These people have stuff that they need to pay. Yeah. And so maybe just a little support um, on that end would would be great. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe, maybe you've kind of already touched on kind of where I wanted to go next, but you know, for those, so the next question I was going to ask is like, for those who have exited the life already, you know, and they're already in that journey of healing, maybe they're in a program or maybe they are out of a program or maybe they aren't in a program and aren't, have no plans to go into a program because, you know, obviously those overcomers do exist. What do you, what do you think their needs are? Or is it the same, is it the same list of needs or are there other kind of wrinkles to, you know, resourcing them? I think the same list, it yeah. just, you know, it, it changes, um, the, the, the need for the list changes mm. as people grow. So maybe, um, if they're in program and they've been blessed with a car, they may not need transportation, but they still need childcare or they still need, um, legal fees that, that need to be paid yeah. or, you know, things like that. Um, also access to education. Um, and that doesn't just mean, um, like straight to college, but like all levels of higher education, yeah. so vocational skills and training that, you know, again, taking a look at this, if I'm sending you to school, I'm giving you access to your GD, access to your diploma, access to a college degree or whatever, I need to make sure that when you graduate that you can get that job. Yeah. And what's going to set you up for that is maybe working on your credit and working on your, you know, your record and stuff like that. So just thinking things, you know, from a practical lens, yeah. I think just, you know, I think we've, over, like I said, we've overcomplicated it a lot. Um, it's a complex issue, I know, yeah, yeah. but like, these are people yeah. and, um, and you know, they all have individualized uh, needs. Yeah. And so also just, you know, getting rid of the cookie cutter kind of program or mentality. I think, you know, a lot of people have this notion that their idea is the fix. Like, oh no, my program's the fix or oh, no, yeah. my idea is the fix I or see what you're saying. my advocacy is greater, you know? And it's like, well, absolutely not because right. yeah. where I may be, you know, where I may be beneficial to one, I may not be beneficial to the next and that other person needs help too. And yeah. so it's a collaborative effort and we all need to just take a step back and say, okay, what are some practical things that we need? They need great. I can do the transportation part. What can you do? Yeah, rising? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like yeah. we need to just take a step back and reevaluate this whole thing. Yeah. That's so good. You know, because like we, even we've learned with our restorative care program, we've learned that like some residents, some clients, they are just not a good fit for our program. They need a different type of program that does, you know, similar provision, but 
in a different way or like, you know, they specialize in one thing better than we do or whatever. And so it's like, of course we have to collaborate. Like, of course there has to be this free flow of collaboration and information sharing and even resource sharing in some cases where it's like, yeah, I mean, if this woman needs to go to your program, that's great. Like, yeah. let's not get territorial about human beings, right? Yeah, that's a whole other show though. Like, I'm not even going to go there. Oh, that's a whole other show. Okay. <laughs> that's a whole other show. <laughs> but it's, you know what I mean? I just think you make a great point because then at that at, you know, then it's like that savior complex at like an mm-hmm. institutional level, and then you know, yeah. okay, but that's for another show, perhaps. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, what place? Uh, this is a bit of a shift in kind of the conversation too. If you're if you're listening and watching us right now, um, what place? I, I want to use the word "should" here, but I kind of hate the word "should." Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of throw it in there. What place could? And I think should um, <laughs> overcomers have in the anti-trafficking community, and and like the work that our organizations do, even twelve eleven, but Elijah Rising, all of our partners, where where do overcomers fit into this work? They need to be leading it. Period. Say more. Full stop. <laughs> Full stop. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they yeah. they need to be leading it, um, and they need to and and. You know, again, that's that trust factor. Like, mm-hmm. oh my gosh, she was, you know, she's broken or she has this history. Maybe she might not be a good director or maybe she may not have mm-hmm. the education or the wisdom or the knowledge to do this. But we need to give them a chance um, yeah. because when you start building relationships with you, it's all about relationship building. When you truly start building relationships with these individuals, you will find so much value. Like, oh my gosh, like I need that. Yeah. Um, even with 1211 now, it started survivor led. And, and when I say survivor led, I don't mean just me. Mm. I mean, like, I'm constantly like, hey, what do we need to do? And what do you want to do? And what do you want to see? Right. Yeah. I'm, I'm constantly communicating with overcomers so that their voice can, voices can be elevated. Yeah. But they need to be leading the movement. Um, we need to bring them on as partners, not just, um, you know, like advisory councils and all that kind of stuff. But we need to bring them on as partners yeah. um, so that their voice can be heard and so that they can use the, not the, just their voice but so they can start using some of these skills like we talk about you know we we're all for like economic justice and economic equitable employment and yeah. da, 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 but we won't hire them ourselves so that confuses the heck out of me yeah. but like we need to be able to elevate them yeah um, there are so many awesome overcomers that I've encountered that no, they don't have a, a, a spotlight. They may not have their own organization. They may not have their own show. You may not have seen them on a news channel or a press conference. Right. Or, you know, they're these underdogs, <laughs> you right. know, in the anti-trafficking community, but they have so much to bring to the table. So yeah. I think we need to be more intentional in seeking those individuals out, right? Yeah. And not just calling on the same people, not mm-hmm. just calling on the face. So I'm going to be real candid here. So there's, you know, there are overcomers, um, including myself. I'll even put myself in that that have become like the face yeah the go-tos yeah why why are we stopping there why are we okay with just you know yada 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 and kathy 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 you know whoever i'm not just saying me but i don't want to call names obviously but like how why are we okay with just those faces representing an entire body of people that need help Every day I'm talking with someone that are, that's like, man, I want to work on public speaking, or I mm. want to do a book, or I want to write something. I, I think I'm, I'm ready to share. Those people are so overlooked. Yeah. Right? So I think we need to be more intentional about 
making platforms and creating safe spaces and creating platforms for these individuals to come and to say, hey, I can, I, I have that skill, you yeah. know, like I can, yeah. I think I can do that. I, I'm, I may not want to public speak, but I like to, I like small groups and I can like, if you have new um, individuals in your program, I'll speak to them yeah. you know, about my experience or, you know, just things like that. So I think that they definitely need to be leading the drive in this community for you know, sure. Kathy, I think um, I think there has there is there's like a fear. Like the, what comes up in me obviously is well, first of all, like you are kind of a face for me. That's why I asked you back on the podcast a second time. <laughs> I'm not um, calling you. I promise. No, 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 no. That's fine. You can call me out all the live long day. Uh, I've got thick skin. Um, but you know, and like, why did I ask you to come back on? Well, it's because I I hear you more. You know what I mean? Like yep. I, I see your work more. And so it's like you, you have this place. It's like a self-fulfilling, like it's a cycle. Like, mm-hmm. well, I hear Kathy talk a lot. Of, and part of that's because I intentionally put myself in places to hear you talk. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I'm trying to get to is like, I totally see what you mean by like, but there's thousands of other overcomers who just don't have that platform yet. Maybe, yeah. you know, they haven't written a book or maybe yet or ever. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think with the, I'm kind of doing this extemporaneously right now, but like, I think also there has been this fear in our movement to be really, really cautious of re-exploitation. Sure. Yeah. You know where I'm going. Yeah. And so like we don't ask for them to share because mm-hmm. we're afraid that if we do, that's a trigger or like bringing them into our platforms, you know, because we're, we raise money that like, if I bring them on, you know, into a platform, well then like, maybe it looks like I'm re-exploiting them so that our organization can continue to grow or, or, or like a tokenism even yeah. like, well, if I hire them, you know, then I'm just being, you know, doing the token thing. Like, yeah. well, we've got a survivor on staff, you know, yeah. or whatever. So like, what do you, what do you say to that? Cause I mean, to for me, it's like, I, I feel like some of that caution is good, yeah, but I don't want it to I don't want the outcome to be silence, sure. You know, or ignorance on our part for not, you know. So, anyways, go ahead. Yeah, no, no, no. <laughs> I think giving giving people agency, right? So, if okay. I come to you, I'm volunteering. I yeah. I want to come work yeah, for you. Great like, point. I want to come work with you. So, just opening up those platforms to say, hey, you know, hiring overcomers. Da 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 da. People do it all the time. And either if you are an overcomer or survivor that feel like I'm not doing that, like I don't want to share my story, or you feel some type of way about yeah. it, you scroll right past it. Yeah, just or keep you moving. Delete the email, right? Yeah. Um, and and keep it moving. But for someone that is eager to get involved, and it may not just be sharing their experience. It may be like you may need someone to to do like social media for you. Sure. And that's their lane. Hey, I can come do social media and that's my fight. That's my fight back, right? Yeah. Um, and no one ever has to stick a microphone in my face. Right. Or I never have to share about my experience. Yeah. I think we need to start looking at the skills of individuals, right? And yeah, they have that expert experience, that lived experience as an overcomer, but giving them agency. Hey, you do what you want with that. Like, yeah, right. Hey, you can do whatever. You can right. you can come you can come write for us. You can do whatever, but but give them the opportunity. I think I think right now we've kind of it's a narrow, narrow lane yeah. to get into this community um, if you're not already established That's or good. if you're not already being seen doing the work and stuff. But, you know, a lot of that I'm taking on in personally as like I'm being really intentional about lifting up survivors. Um, yeah. 
1211, there's a hidden mission and a, a hidden goal of that. Like the whole purpose of it is to elevate and develop survivor leaders. And that doesn't necessarily mean leaders in the anti-trafficking community, sure. but leaders in their families, leaders in their communities. What do they want to do? Yeah. Because that when I think of survivor leadership, that's what I think of. Survivor leadership to me is not just contributing to the anti-trafficking community. There yeah. are other things that I'm passionate about. I'm, I'm passionate about special needs, right? That community. Yeah. So I'm doing, you know, I want to do work over there. Yeah. Not just being defined by the anti-trafficking community, but there are those that we need to give them options. I guess is what I'm saying. No, I love that. I mean, I think it's so important. I know. Yeah, it's, it's so important for us all to hear. It's like it, it, you don't even have to, um, you don't even have to hire an overcomer and tell anybody that they experience trafficking. Right. Which is what I hear you saying. It's like, maybe they're just really good at bookkeeping. Right. Right. And so it's that agency part where it's like, maybe there's a staff full of survivors of trafficking, but nobody even knows because they just, that's not what they're doing. They're just doing work. Right. They're just being people and living life. And that's just a part of their story. It doesn't define their whole being. Absolutely. That has to be retold and rehashed all the time. Um, See, you translate for me. You just packaged all that and made it make sense. Well, that's what a good podcast host (laughs) does. You just restate, you know, you're the one with the, uh, the insights. We just restate it so that if you're watching or listening, you're catching what Kathy's saying. I want to um, thank you for your voice. Um, you are one of those people in my life where it's like, people ask me, I get asked a lot about trafficking questions, mm-hmm. right? Friends call, I get texts, I get emails, like, what do you think about this? And I'm like, well, I, you know, I can answer some stuff, but I'm like, well, here's what I'm hearing from overcomers. Mm-hmm. And, and your voice is one of, a, of like a community uh, of numerous overcomers that I'm following, I'm reading, I'm listening to, I'm you know, attending conferences to listen to. Because like I just, we, we never want to communicate something out of ignorance. Like I yeah. always want to communicate from like the, the experts need to speak, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, and so I say all that to say thank you for being one of those people. Thank you for constantly being willing to like have a conversation and to be bold and to be truthful <laughs> and to be honest um, and, to, and to cut to the point. Um, so I kind of just want you to have space here at the end of the podcast. We do this with everybody, but um, how can we how can we support you? How can we support your work? Is there more you want to say about Twelve Eleven Partners? How can people find you? What do you, what does twelve eleven partners need from us? Yeah, um, this is a, a wonderful platform for twelve eleven partners. So thank you for inviting Absolutely. me. Absolutely, honestly, because we're in the process of like building a team. We have a mentor training coming up, and so we need mentors. We need people that are okay. When you t- when you ask that question about like some practical ways that people can get involved yep. that may not be harmful, that are not harmful. Um, Mentoring is is one way. Walking alongside individuals, um, think of it as a friendship. Mentorship is so like overrated. Yeah, yeah. But like, it. just think of it as like, I just want to partner with someone yeah. to help them be great, and then in turn, I get to be great too because yeah. they're sewing into me too. So that's when I think of that's what I think of when I think of mentorship. That's what I think of. Yeah. Um, and so individuals that want to walk alongside. Um, and partner with overcomers. I, you know, we would be more than happy to to invite those individuals. And then, um, <laughs> in the spirit of collaboration, I just want to encourage everyone just to work together. Let's yeah. let's let's work together, um, and let's not take our eyes off of 
the true meaning and the true purpose of our calling, and that is to elevate individuals that have been exploited and yeah. harmed by this crime. So please, like, let's just work together. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, collaboration is everything. I mean, nobody's going to solve this problem alone. Right. And everybody has a lane, and there's a place for everyone in this work at so many different levels. Yeah. Um, and we need each other. Yep. Where can people learn more about 1211 Partners? Uh, 1211.org, the website, and then on social media, 1211 Partners on yeah. Facebook and Instagram. And that's T W E L V E, numeral one, numeral one dot org. There you go. Yes. <laughs> 12. 11. Yep. <laughs> Kathy, thank you again for coming on the podcast. Thank you for your voice. Thank you for your time and uh, thank you for your partnership. And I look forward to seeing so many more cool things and great work coming out of 1211. Thank you. I really appreciate being here. Yeah. And thanks for watching the podcast today. Thank you for joining us today for this episode. If you were inspired by this content today, please share, rate, and leave a review. Also, please consider making a donation at ElijahRising.org slash donate. Your support helps us continue the vital mission to combat sex trafficking. Until next time.